Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ, who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. Got a fun interview for you today. It is with Barbara Bruce. I think as you'll hear in the interview, her passion for education is contagious. I had first met Barbara years ago now at a CEF workshop. CEF, uh, for those who don't know, is Christians Engaged in Faith Formation. used to be um, Christian Educators Fellowship. And, And she really is, Barbara is a, she's a workshop rock star is kind of what I call her. Her workshops are always maxed out. Uh, she she has taught everything from preschool to seminary. She currently teaches course of study classes. She's an author of several books, and I'll, I'll highlight three of them. Uh, one is Start Here, Teaching and Learning with Adults. Another is Seven Ways to Teach the Bible to Adults. And another that we'll touch on in our conversation is Our Spiritual Brain, Integrating Brain Research and Faith Development. So with that introduction of Barbara, I'm going to roll right into the interview. I am so excited that Barbara is Barbara Bruce is with me this morning. Barbara, I appreciate your willingness to get up early and to be a part of this podcast. Hey, it's my pleasure. Well, we're going to begin by talking about some of the best and worst learning experiences that we have encountered. Uh, I'll go first because uh, I, when I read this in one of your books, and you do this in your workshops as well as ask this question, uh, I knew exactly what it was for me. <laughs> I, I knew my worst learning do. experience. Yep, most people know. Most people know. Uh, well, mine was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class in college, a social psychology class. Now, what possessed me to take an afternoon Friday class <laughs> is beyond me. I knew better than to do that, but um, I did. Friday afternoon, social psychology, and this professor, a fairly young professor, uh, apparently very anxious about speaking in front of people would read, just look down and read from his, his lecture. Now, he barely looked up and you can imagine Friday afternoon, uh-huh. you know, you're ready to go. And I let out this very loud yawn. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was silent. <laughs> it was not. And he looked up from his notes and said, Mr. Hughes will be done in a minute and looked right back down and just kept going. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Oh, it was oh, it was it was a terrible learning experience. He was a, he was a nice guy, and and I did learn stuff. But that was my worst learning experience. Do you want to share yours before I share my best experience? Well, uh, as I mentioned that when we were talking earlier, the um, back when back in the day when we were using overhead projectors, I had a professor who wrote. He he was a self-proclaimed expert on John Wesley. And he would write on the overhead projector. And then, and then after he wrote it, he would read it to us. <laughs> Very exciting, let me tell you. Oh, my goodness. It, it, was, it was really a bad experience. And that's, you know, that happens. And unfortunately, there are ways that we can fix those kinds of things. If, if the leader's willing to just change tactic a little bit. Yeah, true. Now, I know uh, from being at CEF conferences, some people would say their their best learning experience was in your workshop. Right? Oh, I've heard people say that. 
So um, one of my other best learning experiences was in seminary. I've, I've, um, sometimes seminary gets a bad rap, but uh, one of my best was in a class called the Ministry of Teaching. And it really opened my eyes to how to impart knowledge, how to help participants engage them in the learning process. And so for me, just the whole class in general was one of my best learning experiences where I really developed a passion uh, for, for teaching and for being a facilitator and Amen. those sorts of things. So that was a, a wonderful learning experience for me. What was your favorite learning experience? Well, I, I've got lots of them, but I go back to Dick Murray, who oh, was okay, yeah. essentially the best teacher I have ever had. Um, and, and he just made learning exciting, but one of his key things was engaging people. Mm. He didn't talk at people. I remember Dick saying that um, you can be interactive in a group of 600 people. You just have to know how to do it. And once you engage people, it, it becomes exciting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it does. It does. Um, yeah, that, that's one of my, my passions. I mean, I, I know I've, I've preached and I've, and I've taught, and I, and I make a slight distinction there. I won't get into that. But I know when, I, when I'm done preaching, I'm just exhausted. Uh -huh. Whereas when I'm, I've, I've had a good facilitating experience, I'm energized. I, I'm ready to do it again. Right? I just, there's something uh, life-giving to me in that. Amen yeah. to that. And, and I'm glad you used the word facilitator because that's different than teacher. Mm -hmm. yeah. In my estimation, anyway, I never teach anything that I don't learn as well. And, and my role as facilitator is not to tell, because mm -hmm. teaching is not telling, but it's to pull information from within and make it transformative. Mm, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Well, and one of the other things you, you have taught me is thinking about how do we help participants walk out better than they walked in, right? Of, of being very strategic about what's going to happen in the learning environment. Um, and, and some of the things that you, you touch on in your books, I'll mention a couple of them real quickly, are um, advanced organizers and learning hooks, right? Mm -hmm. Pre-teaching pre strategies. I'll let you say a little more about those because I think those are, for me anyway, those are very helpful strategies to begin thinking about what's going to happen in the class time or in the group time and, and how strategic do I need to be to make sure what happens in that time really sticks. Absolutely. Can you say a little um, more about that? Pre-teaching is, is really pretty important. It's, it's setting the climate for learning. And mm. to do this, there are, there are many ways. Uh, ask me, tell me all you know about Joseph. I did this in a lab school one time, and we were doing the Joseph saga. And people okay. gave me coat of many colors, and, and you know, brothers sold him and whatever. And, and somebody said, went with Mary to Bethlehem. Now, I, oh. didn't, I didn't stop oh. right there. <laughs> I just wrote it down. And after two more people gave the other answers, he said, oh, I was wrong, wasn't I? Mm. But, but pre-teaching, asking people what they know or how have you been in this situation or whatever helps to set the climate for learning. Plus, I think it, the other thing that it does there is it, it takes advantage of what adults have, what they bring to the exactly. class. Exactly, exactly. Seldom, if ever, do, do particularly adults, 
I mean, this works with youth too, and even sometimes with children. Children amaze us from time to time. Mm -hmm. But adults come with pre-knowledge. Mm. And, and it makes the learning experience more exciting when you can plug into that pre-knowledge. Mm. You know, when have you been out in a boat on a storm? How did it feel? Mm. These kinds of things set the whole mood for teaching. And, and one other thing, because I don't want to miss this, yeah. especially in small group work, is ground rules. Ground rules, yeah. Um, it, it, we know from learning brain, I know from learning brain experience, is that the brain learns best in a safe environment. Mm. Yeah. If, if you don't feel safe in a situation, responses are going to be very shallow, uh, and, and that's not what particularly small group is about, it's about mm -hmm. going deeper. It's about the, the dark nights of your soul and feeling free to talk about that without the, the fear that mm -hmm. it's going to be the topic of conversation in the coffee hour next Sunday. Mm. So, yeah, think, I'm sorry, go on. No, no, no. Listen, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's really helpful is, is that need for safety, that cognitive safety. Exactly emotional safety and ground rules or a covenant really helps us do that and part of that just takes time right i mean it takes time to build the trust that a like you say it's not going to become gossip but it's also then um it's not going to make me look foolish exactly and that's it, something else adults fear is oh my oh, goodness big time yeah. That's why um, when I when I do ground rules, I will put up a couple of my own and then ask the group. And they very often will come up with things that I hadn't considered. And and it's not, you know, one of my rules is is we respect each other's opinions. It doesn't mean you have to agree. Mm -hmm. It means you have to be respectful. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? People differ in their theology, in what they bring to a small group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that to add one more component here to this safe learning environment is, um, as I said, adults fear looking incapable. And especially about things they're supposed to know. Uh, and there's this myth that they are supposed to know the Bible. You got um, it. I don't know how many times I've been in a small group or a class and People will say, well, I know it's in the Bible, but I'm, and I know I'm supposed to know where it is. <laughs> it's like, who, who told you you were supposed to know that? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, another component of that is this pre-existing knowledge, which you were tapping into. Yeah. And, and adults do not want to be made to look foolish, but also, I, I don't like to use absolutes, but I'm going to do it now. Okay. Never, never, never. Just say, hey, stop, would you read the next? Because I was in a situation once, talk about worst learning experience, where the, the leader called on someone to read, mm -hmm. and this man had a third grade mm -hmm. education. And he stumbled through words and, and every single person in the room was painful for him. Yeah. So, so the way to get around that is say, who would like to, yeah. who, who would like to read the next part of, of the scripture or who would be willing to yeah. so never, never, never call on someone unless you have cleared it with them first. 
Sure. Then that's fine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think another important piece that you hit on is this concept of unlearning, right? Some people come with misconceptions, uh-huh. right? So how do we help those who come with misconceptions? And I think you gave us an earlier illustration of that, right? You didn't just out and out say, oh, nope, sorry, you're wrong. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> it, it, ha- was, it was his discovery mm. uh, that when he heard the other um, definitions of who was Joseph, he said, whoops, wrong one. Mm. So it is, it is up to the facilitator to work carefully around that and say something perhaps like, gee, does anyone have any other ideas? Or uh, how might this name Joseph, how many times might it appear in the Bible? You, you work around it. You, again, I'm using an absolute. I'm sorry. You <laughs> never, never put somebody down in a class. Never. Yeah, and, and I'll say I've been guilty of that, and then I didn't mean to, right? It was just sort of a, a quick reaction. Someone said something, I went, nope, and, the, and they, call, they called me on it, right? They said, you know, I'd never say much in class, and here I finally say something, and you tell me no, and it was like uh, my heart just uh, sank. It was like, exactly. oh, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oops, We've oops, all I, been guilty at one point yeah. or another. One, one of the other things that this leads me to, and, and it's something that I do – all the time because I believe in it is say, I want five right answers. Mm, that's and, good. and what I ask is, you know, why do I do this? I, I, I'd like to reinforce that all the time. Why am I doing this? How can you use this? But why am I doing this? If, if Scott, if you give me the right answer, what yeah. does the rest of the class have to do? Nothing. They don't have to think. Mm, that's good. So, Five right answers or three or seven, whatever seems to fit, but don't stop at one right answer. Yeah, that's really good because you're right. I mean, I've certainly seen that dynamic play out where it's like you're looking for the right, the right answer. Uh Someone finally gets it and the conversation shuts down. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's really helpful because we want all the participants to continue participating, right? <laughs> right? right. Just because one person got it. And, it. and it goes to this other understanding of tr- is learning as self-discovery, right? Uh-huh. We really learn something more deeply when we discovered on our own. You betcha. And if one person gives the answer, everyone else doesn't learn it the same way. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's really good. One of the other things you bring up that I think is really helpful is changing p- the pace of a class every 20 minutes or so. Yep. I was just, that's in my notes um, for you. Uh, Judge Joseph Foreman in Buffalo used to say that he um, gave his juries a 45-minute time, and then they had to break. Okay. Because he said, and I'm quoting now, the the, um, brain cannot remember what the fanny cannot endure. (laughs) And it's it's important to get people up and moving and you don't have to change topic you just change the way you present it oh okay have been sitting for a long time i will have them get up and do a continuum or dick murray you know nudge your neighbor talk to the go into diets small group large group this that and the just keep it moving keep changing the pace because your brain gets tired after a while same old same old now, you said continuum. Some people may not know what that means. What, what, what does that look like? Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, 
a continuum is is anything and i usually like to go out in the hall field trip out in okay. the hall and start with at the ask people to line up and at the very left hand side this is yes i agree completely with that statement and at the right hand side i disagree and then there's that whole in between and people okay. move around and they talk with each other and and it just it just gets a whole different mode of learning happening mm, okay and what about nudge your neighbor nudge your neighbor is is uh, again dick murray but this is where he said you can you can be interactive in a 600 you know person group okay when you ask a question and and you say not your neighbor and talk for and i this is mine three minutes and 12 seconds <laughs> about this topic and people laugh just like you did yeah. but it gets their attention rather than just say talk for three minutes mm. three minutes and 12 seconds makes a huge difference interesting it, it's fun you know yeah, it's fun. You're right. I have to employ that. Because I, I, I usually just say for one minute or two minutes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to employ that. I'm going to use that. That's something you've, you've given me already is uh, I'll make sure and, and give some odd number. My, I, I took my grandson out for breakfast. It was just him and me. And we had this great conversation. And I said, who's your favorite teacher? And without a second's hesitation, he gave me a name. And I said, why? That's the important part. Why? Mm -hmm. And he said, because she makes learning fun. Mm. He said, I have my best grades in her class. Mm. So learning needs to be fun. Um, you know, laughter is the best medicine. And, mm. and your brain does different things when it's positive. You get all these endorphins that just kind of mm. float around and do wonderful things. So um, a sense of humor and a sense of not taking yourself too seriously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is a big part of the teaching learning process. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I mean, because I, I know my style tends to be a little more serious. I'm a serious uh, person. Uh, I like getting deep discussion. And uh, what you've helped me, uh, along with some others, is just some simple strategies to, to inject some fun. And again, it goes back to that brain science, right, that if we can – uh, change things up, if we can um, lower the anxiety, all those things help us to learn in ways that, that, are, that are better. It's better. It's a better learning experience. Um, and, and so that's, you're absolutely right. I would like to pick up on what you just said. Yeah, please. And that is one of the things that I have been, I'm a, a disciple with a small d of Howard Gardner and multiple intelligence theory. Okay. When we as, as teachers slash facilitators teach in one way only, mm. we're missing a whole lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, we need to, it, it's, and, and laughter is a part of it, but we need to do some left brain, right brain things, some verbal linguistic, which is what most people do. Read this in your Bible, talk about this, uh, mm -hmm. speak, lecture about this. But, but there are some things, and I tell my students in course of study that, oh my goodness, imagine this. There are some people who get more out of the hymns that support your sermon than your words. Mm -hmm. And they look at me and they go, yeah, right. I say, yeah, huh? <laughs> yes, right. Um, because, because not everybody learns best yeah. by hearing words. We need to experience, we need to touch 
we need to um, talk with someone else, we need to go inside and ponder lots and lots and lots of ways to learn. So uh, you're absolutely right, and, I, and I've experienced this too. I've talked with some folks who, um, it, it occurred to me as we, the conversation was going on that they learned musically, and, and I am not that way, and so we had to adjust some of the way we were having conversation. Um, but could you give some more strategies of, of, of helping if classes are in this rut of, you know, somebody's facilitating, they're guiding the questions, and that may be what the whole class looks like. What are some other strategies you would give to help, help classes mix it up, help classes have some fun and do some um, learning experiences? Well, simply dyads and triads because, because that makes learning interpersonal. Interpersonal. Uh, where okay. we share with each other. But uh, give people quizzes that left brain, get that left brain going, um, you know, ask them logical, mathematical, what came first, what came second, what okay. do you think will happen next? Mm. Uh, musical rhythmic, we talked about briefly, just we are here in Florida. And a couple of years ago on Easter morning, we went to a sunrise service on the beach. And I have no idea what the preacher was saying. I was focused on three crosses that were in the sand. That's okay. I was visualizing. That my, I'm a visual spatial learner. Hmm. And whatever he was saying, as soon as that first glimmer of sun came up over the ocean, we all started singing How Great Thou Art. Hmm. That was Easter worship for me. Yeah. The words didn't mean anything. It was it was it was that image that and and eighty seven percent of adults self report to being visual learners. Yeah. So we need to make sure that we include some kind of visuality, if you will. I don't even know if that's a word, <laughs> but um, to, to help people see things. Yeah. Um, close your eyes and see Jesus walking toward you. You know, mm. there are lots and lots and lots of ways, well, eight ways actually is what Gardner says, of, of different learning. So you need to break it up. You need to, to just not talk all the time. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I love to do is give people a piece of, I use telephone wire, but you can use pipe cleaners or whatever. Okay. Because there are some people who need, need to do something with their hands. Gotcha. I had a student in, in a disciple Bible study when I was new at, at my position at the church. So I didn't know people all that well. And she came in with her knitting. Okay. And I really thought she was being rude. <laughs> so just against, uh, I'm just going to make up a name, Susie. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I asked her a specific question. Well, she was right there. She mm. said, I learn best when my hands are moving. Yeah. It's critical to, to you know, just switch it out a little bit. Um, and, and I don't know where we are in terms of the end of this, but two things I needed to say. Yeah, go ahead. A three-part series strategies that need to happen in a good learning teaching okay. learning I'm situation. Yeah. The first one is what? Um, what is the background of this? Where did it happen? Uh, perhaps a map showing mm -hmm. the distance between Jerusalem and Jericho. 
what? Mm. What came before this scripture? Whatever. The next question is, so what? Mm. So that's a nice story. What does this have to do with me? And then the last one is the, is the trigger. And this is the one that so often gets, oh my goodness, we're out of time. We don't have time to do this. <laughs> it's the now what? Now what? This is the transformative part of the teaching learning situation. Now that I know this story from the Bible, now that I know that I should love my neighbor, now that I know that this, whatever, whatever, how is it going to change my life? Mm. Because, because otherwise it's just, yeah, it's a nice story. Yeah. But it doesn't have anything to do with me personally. And yeah. the Bible is a living book. I think that's what we have to really, really bring home. Uh, it's, it's not something that happened thousands of years ago. It's, it's an internal training, a spiritual training for my life right now. Mm, that's good. Can I, can I add one to sure. your three? And that's the why. Uh-huh. I, I'm a why person. Exactly. I, and yeah. I know, why are we talking about this? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, if I don't get that answered, I'm having a hard time. I, once I get the why, I'm like, okay, I'm in. And, and just to add to what you're saying, uh, you know, I've got um, a son who very much is a, um, a now what kind of kid, right? And, and if you don't get to that now what, you're not ever going to really connect with him. Exactly. And, 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 and it was really much a how, you know, and how does this work? He's taking things apart. And, and, and if that is, doesn't in, engage him, he disconnects from the material. And, and you're right. So I've been in groups where if, if we don't get to that how question, that's mm-hmm. so, you know, now what? people don't ever connect. They don't have a, a piece to jump into. Exactly. I gave birth to an engineer. I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, because he's, he's, his brain is wired so differently than mine. Yeah. But, that, but he's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. He needs the nitty gritty. Now, your question of why is I include that in my so what? Okay. Fair so, enough. you know, what does this have to do with me? Why is yeah. this important to me? Yeah. But but if if you are comfortable with why, use it. Whatever <laughs> works for you. Okay. And that I think is is the keynote for a facilitator. Yeah. Don't try to be something you're not. Mm. Um and people people will go with a facilitator that meets their learning needs. Mm-hmm. Uh I have had people switch classes because oh, yeah. They, because they couldn't stand somebody just lecturing. They'll go and do something else. Or somebody wants that. Yeah. So it, it, it's, this whole teaching learning thing is so incredibly exciting. And there's so much to it. And we know we just scratched the surface of what we know about how people learn. Yeah, very true. I, I've got one last question for you. Sure. that I, I was thinking about as I was reading through your books. And that is... Um, you know, you talk about how the brain can only handle so much information. Uh-huh. And I, I, what, what struck me in that is we're very much in an age of information overload. Exactly. Right? Especially people like me who get sucked into Twitter and it's just an endless <laughs> list of information. Yep. Um, how do you think that, what, how do you think that may play into how we do small group stuff? When we have this information, we have Google at our fingertips and, 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 and how do you think that impacts how we do small group ministry? Uh, the whole teaching learning thing is shifting 
as we speak. I mean, every every minute. But I think it's up to the facilitator. Uh, I did a 13-week Bible study one time that took us from June till September. Ooh, okay. Because because people kept asking, well, why or how <laughs> or what, and they would go home and dig. They would Google and okay. they would look on on you know Instagram or whatever these things are, and, <laughs> and come back with so much information that we couldn't do it all in one session. Sometimes, you know, TMI is one of my favorite things to say. Uh-uh, TMI. <laughs> um, so we broke it down. You know, it's how do you eat an elephant? One mm. bite at a time. Mm. And, and give people the time to do their own exploring, their own investigating, and then come back and share with the group. It was one of the most exciting teaching learning experiences I've ever had. To, yeah. to pull that apart and put it back together again. Yeah, that's great. Well, you it's not like you really took advantage of the fact that adults come to class with their own agenda. You've own done it. Agenda. Adults right. learn only what they choose to learn. Oh, that's really good. I I could have the best statistics teacher in the whole world, the mm. whole world, and I would not learn statistics because I don't want to. <laughs> it's one of my S words. I have three S words: snakes, spiders. And statistics. <laughs> I can understand that. That, that, uh -huh. that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, any, any last words of wisdom as we wind down here? Any, you, you've done. You've been extremely helpful. Any other uh, wise words you've got this morning? Well, I'd, I'd like to close with a quote yeah. from Chaim Ganat. He he um, lived several years ago, and he was just an incredible child psychologist. But I would ask people to think of the word child as child of God, not just as a little person. Okay? okay, fair enough. His quote is, if you have told a child a thousand times and he still does not understand, it's not the child who is the slow learner. Mm. I love that quote. Mm. And the operative word is told. Oh. Not Everybody learns from telling. Amen and amen. Yeah, what a great place to stop. Thank you. This has been fun. Well, as you could probably hear, Barbara is a guru when it comes to teaching and learning with adults. And, I, and I'm sure you got some, I know I learned something out of that. I'm sure you learned several things. Every time I hear from Barbara, my mind just starts racing about possibilities and new things I want to try, new strategies. And, and so I, I hope you heard at least one, hopefully you heard several things that you're going to begin implementing to, to help make sure that, that those participants in your small group or your Sunday school class, when they walk out, they are different. They're changed because of what happened in that time together. Well, I also happen to have an extra copy of Barbara Bruce's Start Here, and I'll gladly send that to the first person who, who emails me and says, hey, I want that book. I will be happy to send that to you. Um, I, I always learn a lot, lot from Barbara, and, and, and I'm sure you did too. So I want to thank her for her willingness to, to be interviewed, um, and I want to thank those who helped make this possible. Blake, the technical director, Matt Carlisle, the web producer, Steve Horswell-Johnson, our executive producer. And I do hope you'll be as interactive as possible with me. Feel free to shoot me uh, comments, suggestions, what you'd like to hear on this. You can uh, find me on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. 
You can shoot me an email, shughes, that's S-H-U-G-H-E-S, at umcdiscipleship.org. You can find me on Twitter, at Rev Scott's Tweets, or at UMC Adult Forum for Adult Formation. And so I thank you for listening to this podcast, and until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.